You can't be neutral on the moving train. I told y'all before. You can't believe everything that your teacher tell you. Who is your teacher? Your teacher just learned what they was taught. How do you know what they was taught was correct? Welcome to You Can't Be Neutral, a political podcast inspired by Howard Zinn and progressive and radical activism, taking a look at society, media, and politics. You can follow You Can't Be Neutral on Twitter at YCBNeutral. You can go to YouCan'tBeNeutral.com. There you'll find all the back episodes. You'll also find a link there to make a donation. You can make a one-time or recurring donation to keep this podcast free and independent. Russia decided to kick its imperialism up a notch and invade Ukraine. Here is a piece published at crimethink.com. This is a statement from Russian anarchists against Russian aggression in Ukraine. Against annexations and imperial aggression. Yesterday, on February 21, an extraordinary meeting of the Russian Security Council was held. As part of this theatrical act, Putin forced his closest servants to publicly, quote, ask him to recognize the independence of the so-called People's Republics, of the Luhansk People's Republic, LPR, and Donetsk People's Republic, DPR, in eastern Ukraine. It is quite obvious that this is a step towards the further annexation of these territories by Russia, no matter how it is formalized or not formalized legally. In fact, the Kremlin ceases to consider the LPR and DPR part of Ukraine and finally makes them its protectorate, quote, first the recognition of independence, then annexation. This sequence was already worked out in 2014 in Crimea. This is also clear from Narishkin's stupid reservations at the meeting of the Security Council. Quote, Yes, I support the entry of these territories into the Russian Federation. Since the meeting, as it turned out, was broadcast on tape rather than live, and these, quote, reservations were not cut out but left in, the hint is clear. In an appeal to the people that same evening, Putin seemed to, quote, agree with these requests and announced the recognition of the LPR and DPR as independent states. In fact, he said the following, quote, We are taking a piece of the Donbass, and if Ukraine rocks the boat, then let it blame itself. We don't consider it a state at all, so we'll take even more. According to Putin's decree, Russian troops are already entering the territory of the LPR and DPR. This is a clear gesture of threat towards the rest of Ukraine, and especially towards the parts of Lugansk and Donetsk regions, still controlled by Ukraine. This is the actual occupation in the sense that until now, Luhansk and Donetsk were only occupied by proxy. We do not want to stand up for any states. We are anarchists, and we are against any borders between nations. But we are against this annexation 
because it only establishes new borders, and the decision on this is made solely by the authoritarian leader, Vladimir Putin. This is an act of imperialist aggression by Russia. We have no illusions about the Ukrainian state, but it is clear to us that it is not the main aggressor in this story. This is not a confrontation between two evils. First of all, this is an attempt by the Russian authoritarian government to solve its internal problems through a, quote, small victorious war and the accumulation of lands, a reference to Ivan III. It is quite probable that the Kremlin regime will stage some kind of spectacle of a, quote, referendum on the annexed lands. Such performances already took place in the DPR and LPR in 2014 but not even Moscow recognized their results. Now, apparently, Putin has decided to change that. Of course, there can be no talk of any, quote, free and secret voting in these territories. They are under the control of militarized gangs completely dependent on Moscow. Those who were opposed to these gangs and against the integration with Russia were either killed or forced to emigrate. Thus, any, quote, referendum on the return of Donbass, like a lost ship to its native harbor, will be a propaganda lie. The residents of Donbass will be able to formulate their decision only when the troops of all states, and first of all the Russian Federation, leave these territories. The recognition and annexation of the DPR and LPR will not bring anything good to the inhabitants of Russia itself. First, in any case, this will lead to the militarization of all spheres of life, even greater international isolation of Russia, sanctions, and a decline in general well-being. Restoring the destroyed infrastructure and taking the, quote, people's republics into the state budget will not be free either. Both will cost billions of rubles that could otherwise be spent on education and medicine. Have no doubt, the yachts of the Russian oligarchs will not become smaller but everyone else will begin to live worse. Second, the likely aggravation of the armed confrontation with Ukraine will mean more dead and wounded soldiers and civilians, more destroyed cities and villages, more blood. Even if this conflict does not escalate into a world war, Putin's imperial fantasies are not worth a single life. Third, this will mean the further spread of the so-called Russian world, a crazy combination of neoliberal oligarchy, rigid centralized power, and a patriarchal imperial propaganda. This consequence is not as obvious as the rise in the price of sausages and the sanctions on smartphones, but in the long run, it is even more dangerous. We urge you to counter the Kremlin's aggression by any means you see fit, against the seizure of territories under any pretext, against sending the Russian army to the Donbass, against militarization, and ultimately against the war. Take to the streets, spread the word, talk to the people around you. You know what to do. Do not be silent. Take action. Even a small screw can jam the gears of a death machine. Against all borders, against all empires, against all wars. Autonomous action. And here's an excerpt or a chapter 
from Howard Zinn's book, Howard Zinn on War. This is chapter 20, Their Atrocities and Ours. We have become accustomed to the misuse of language by political and military leaders to deceive the public. I suppose it is a tribute to the humanity of ordinary people that horrible acts must be camouflaged in a thicket of deceptive words in order to justify them. This op-ed piece appeared in the Boston Globe and several other newspapers around the country at the time of the bombing of Yugoslavia. Technically, it was NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, that was carrying on the bombing. But in reality, another obfuscation, it was the United States. There was a headline this morning in my hometown newspaper, the Boston Globe. Pentagon defends airstrike on village, U.S. says Kosovars were human shields. That brought back the ugliest of memories of my lie and other Vietnam massacres, justified by, quote, the Vietnamese babies are concealing hand grenades. And Madeleine Albright's response after Pakistani troops had fired into a crowd of Somali citizens, quote, they are using civilians as shields. Milosevic has committed atrocities. Therefore, it is okay for us to commit atrocities. He is terrorizing the Albanians in Kosovo. Therefore, we can terrorize the population of cities and villages in Yugoslavia. I get email messages from Yugoslav opponents of Milosevic, who demonstrated against him in the streets of Belgrade, before the airstrikes began, who tell me their children cannot sleep at night, terrified by the incessant bombing. They tell of the loss of light, of water, of the destruction of the basic sources of life for ordinary people. To the bloodthirsty Thomas Friedman of the New York Times, all Serbs must be punished without mercy because they have, quote, tacitly sanctioned the deeds of their leaders. That is a novel definition of war guilt. Can we now expect an Iraqi journalist to call for bombs placed in every American supermarket on the ground that all of us have, quote, tacitly sanctioned the hundreds of thousands of deaths in Iraq caused by our eight-year-long embargo? Official terrorism, whether used abroad or at home, by jet bombers or by the police, is always given an opportunity by the press to explain itself, as is never done for ordinary terrorists. The 31 prisoners and nine guards massacred at Governor Rockefeller's orders in the Attica uprising. The 28 women and children of the organization MOVE killed in a fire after their homes were bombed by Philadelphia police. The 86 men, women, and children of the Waco compound who died in an attack ordered by the Clinton administration. The African immigrant murdered by a gang of policemen in New York. All of these events had explanations which, however absurd, are dutifully given time and space by the media. One of these explanations is in terms of numbers, and we have heard both Clinton and his forked tongue counterpart, Jamie Shea, pass off the bombing of Yugoslav civilians by telling us the Serb police have killed more Albanians than we have killed Serbs. 
although as the airstrikes multiply, the numbers are getting closer. They have killed more than we have, so it's okay to bomb not just Serbs, but Albanian refugees, not just adults, but children, and to use the cluster bombs, which have caused unprecedented amputations in Kosovo hospitals. There were those who defended the 1945 firestorm bombing of Dresden. A hundred thousand dead? We can't be sure. By pointing to the Holocaust, as if one atrocity deserves another, and with no chance at all that one could prevent the other, just as our bombings have done nothing to stop the mayhem in Kosovo, indeed, we have intensified it. I've heard the deaths of several hundred thousand Japanese citizens in the atomic strikes on Hiroshima and Nagasaki justified by the terrible acts of the Japanese military in that war. I suppose if we consider the millions of casualties of all the wars started by national leaders these past 50 years as, quote, tacitly supported by their populations, some righteous god who made the mistake of reading Friedman might well annihilate the human race. The television networks filling our screen with heart-rending photos of the Albanian refugees, and those stories must not be ignored, have not given us a full picture of the human suffering we have caused by our bombing. An email came to me, a message from Professor George Vidanovich, a professor of linguistics and semantics at the University of Nice, quote, the little town of Alexanak, 20 miles away from my hometown, was hit last night with full force. The local hospital was hit and a whole street was simply wiped off. What I know for certain is six dead civilians and more than 50 badly hurt. There was no military target around whatsoever. That was a, quote, accident, as was the bombing of the Chinese embassy, as was the bombing of a civilian train on a bridge, over the Junza Morava River, as was the bombing of Albanian refugees on a road in southern Kosovo, as was the destruction of a civilian bus with 24 dead, including four children. There was a rare press description of the gruesome scene by Paul Watson of the LA Times. Some stories come through despite the inordinate attention to NATO propaganda, omnipresent on CNN and other networks, and the shameless Jamie Shea announced we bombed a television station in Belgrade because it gave out propaganda. The New York Times reported the demolition of four houses in the town of Murder by anti-personnel bombs, quote, killing five people, including Bozina Tosevich, aged 30, and his 11-month-old daughter, Bojana. His wife, six months pregnant, is in the hospital. Stephen Erlanger reported, also in the New York Times, that NATO missiles killed at least seven people in a residential area of Sertalika, a town in southern Serbia. He described, quote, the mounded rubble across narrow Zmaj-Jovina Street, where Aleksandr Milik died on Tuesday. Mr. Milik's wife, Vesna, also died. So did his mother and his two children. Miljana, age 15, and Vladimir, age 11. All of them killed about noon when an errant NATO bomb obliterated their new house 
and the cellar in which they were sheltering. Are these, quote, accidents as NATO and U.S. officials solemnly assure us? One day in 1945, I dropped canisters of napalm on a village in France. I have no idea how many villagers died, but I did not mean to kill them. Can I absolve what I did as a, quote, an accident? Aerial bombings have, as inevitable consequences, the killing of civilians, and this is foreseeable, even if the details about who will be the victims cannot be predicted. The word accident is used to exonerate vicious actions. If I race my car at 80 miles an hour through a street crowded with children and kill 10 of them, can I call that an accident? The deaths and mutilations caused by the bombing campaign in Yugoslavia are not accidents, but the inevitable result of a deliberate and cruel campaign against the people of that country. When I read a few weeks ago that cluster bombs are being used against Yugoslavia, I felt a special horror. These have hundreds of shrapnel-like metal fragments which enter the body, cannot easily be removed, causing unbearable pain. Serb children have picked up unexploded bombs and been mutilated as they exploded. I remember being in Hanoi in 1968 and visiting hospitals where children lay in agony, victims of a similar weapon, cluster bombs, their bodies full of tiny pellets. Two sets of atrocities, two campaigns of terrorism, ours and theirs. Both must be condemned. But for that, both must be acknowledged. And if one is given enormous attention and the other passed over with official explanations, given respectful attention, it becomes impossible to make a balanced moral judgment. There was an extraordinary report by Tim Weiner in the New York Times contrasting the scene in Belgrade with that in Washington, where the NATO summit was taking place. Quote, in Belgrade, Cordana Ristic, aged 33, was preparing to spend another night in the basement cum-bomb shelter of her apartment building. Quote, it was a really horrible night last night. There were explosions every few minutes after 2 a.m. I'm sorry that your leaders are not willing to read history. A reporter read to her from Clinton's speeches at the summit meeting. She sounded torn between anger and tears. This is the bottom to which civilization in which I believed has gone. Clinton is playing a role, singing a song in an opera. It kills me. As she slept, NATO's leaders dined on soft-shelled crabs and spring lamb in the East Room of the White House. Dessert was a little chocolate globe. Jesse Norman sang arias. And as the last limousine left, near midnight, Saturday mornings all clear sounded in Belgrade. Yes, Milosevic should stand in the dock to answer for war crimes. Clinton, Albright, Cohen, and Clark should stand with him. There is another factor which we as Americans must consider when we confront the atrocities on both sides. We bear a moral responsibility in any situation to the extent that we have the capacity to affect that situation. In the case of the Milosevic cruelties against the Kosovars, our capacity to intervene, which may have been greater at an earlier stage before we rushed a bomb, is very limited, 
unless we go into a full-scale ground war in which the resulting mayhem will far exceed the tragedy that has already taken place. But as Americans, we have a direct responsibility for the cruelties our government is inflicting on innocent people in Yugoslavia. We are seeing liberals and even some radicals forgetting their own harsh criticism of the controlled press succumb to the barrage of information about the horrors inflicted on the people of Kosovo. That information is isolated from its context. The human consequences of our bombing campaign, the record of the United States government in ignoring or abetting ethnic cleansing in various parts of the world, the refusal of the U.S. and NATO to respond to reasonable and negotiable proposals from the other side. And so, those who should know better are led to support violent solutions. George Seldes, the fierce exposer of the press, and Upton Sinclair, who wrote of the prostitution of the newspapers in the Brass Check, both lost their sense of proportion as they were inundated with Allied propaganda in World War I, and found themselves supporting a stupid military debacle, which ended with 10 million dead. Seldes later wrote, I owe this to the indefatigable Seldes fan Ken McCarthy, quote, Of the first war years, I will say just this. I made a total fool of myself when I accepted as true the news reports from New York and Europe, which by their volume and repetition overwhelmed what little objective intelligence I had. If the Serbian military are killing and expelling the Albanians in Kosovo, it is a reasonable reaction to say, quote, we must do something. But if that is the only information we are getting, a quick jump is made to, we must bomb or we must invade. If we don't want to perpetuate the violence on both sides, we'll have to demand of our leaders that they discard their macho arrogance. We will win. Milosevic will lose. We are the superpower. Our credibility is at stake. That they stop bombing and start talking. There will at some point be a negotiated end to the violence in Yugoslavia. But how many people on both sides will die needlessly and horribly in the interim? That depends on how quickly the American people can raise a powerful cry of protest against the actions of our government. And that will wrap up this episode of You Can't Be Neutral. Remember, you can follow You Can't Be Neutral on Twitter at YCBNeutral. You can check out all the back episodes and find out more at YouCan'tBeNeutral.com. You can also listen to this and all my podcasts playing 24-7 at MovingTrainRadio.com. And now, a moment of Zen. Thanks for listening. We're in a situation now where we, I think, desperately need to uh, learn something from history. Because I feel that if people of the United States at that moment, when George Bush got up before the uh, microphone and, and said, you know, we must go to war, 9-11 took place, terrorist act took place, and therefore we must go to war against Afghanistan. Well, if people listening knew history, uh, they would not immediately rush, as most Americans did at that point. Eighty percent of Americans rushed to say yes, yes. Congress, of course, rushed to say yes, because that's the job of Congress, to say yes uh, whenever the president wants to go to war.
And, uh, but if people knew some history, there would not be that rush to support a war. There would not be that, uh, that acceptance of the idea, oh, we're going to war uh, to fight terrorism. There would not be an acceptance of the idea, we're going to war to bring democracy uh, to Iraq, bring democracy to the whole Middle East. Uh, because if people knew some history, they would know of all those instances in the American past when presidents have come before the public and said, well, as President Polk did in 1846, we've got to go into Mexico to spread civilization to the Mexicans. Or as McKinley did in 1898, oh, we've got to go to uh, Cuba to liberate the Cubans. We're always liberating somebody. But we, we went into Cuba and we liberated the Cubans. In fact, we did. We liberated the Cubans from Spain, but not from us. And that's our record. Our record is, is sometimes liberating people from other tyrants and then imposing our will on them. So the Spanish were out of Cuba in 1898 and American corporations and American military were in Cuba and stayed there for a very long time, dictatorship after dictatorship after dictatorship supported by the United States. If people knew some of that history, if they knew the history of, of the American occupation of the Philippines, they would be very wary of an American occupation of Iraq They'd be very wary of the idea, oh, we're occupying Iraq so that we can bring democracy to Iraq. We fought a bloody war in the Philippines. We committed massacres in the Philippines. And then we occupied the Philippine Islands for 50 years. And did we bring democracy to the Philippines? We brought dictatorship after dictatorship and misery to the Filipino people, about a half a million of whom had died in the war that we waged against the Filipinos.